You're listening to WMVP Chicago. You're listening to The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Taves against Dreisaitl, who wins the draw. Taves back for Murphy along with him. Kicked aside, rebound. Son, referee scores! Brandon Son, able to tuck a backhand wraparound. Up and over the pad. And Huskin and the Hawks have tied it up. Over Taves down low. Then Kubelik joins. Right to the middle. Kubelik could not pull the trigger. Good stick there at the CU. And Bear working against Taves. Who won the puck? It's out. He's going. Jonathan Taves. Outward deep and Bear and Kubelik. Bang! The Hawks with the lead. Looking to eat it. He could not. Here's a long clip shot. Broken up by Kent. He tries to get it out. What a play, Nurse, to keep it alive. Neal to Nurse the shot. He fired it wide. Hawks win. Hawks win. The Chicago Blackhawks have won a series for the first time since the Stanley Cup Championship of 2015. What a night. Pat Foley on the call last night on NBC Sports Chicago. The Hawks. Win a playoff series for the first time in five years. Welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. I am Pat Boyle with Brian Hanley coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios. Good morning, Brian. Still don't know how they did it, Pat. (laughs) I still don't know how they did it. Man, right to the final second, you're just holding your breath and holding on. But they did it. When Darnell, when Darnell Nurse shot oh. wide, I needed a nurse. I, oh, I, my goodness. You know, it, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs always give you that that pit in your stomach as you're you're watching your team either try to get the equalizer or hold on for a win. I got that feeling once again last night as I'm watching that game and getting ready to do the postgame show. I haven't felt that in a while, and I'm sure a lot of Blackhawks fans uh, haven't felt that in a while. It was It was thrilling to see. And with everything we've gone through, it's this is a nice escape, isn't it? It's a great escape, and and you know Corey Crawford, God bless him, st- stood on his head in that third period alone. I mean, I, I one puck went off his uh, his face mask, as he said. That it seemed like there were pucks in front of the net the entire time. And I mean, when you're facing what 40, 43 shots and 20, 21 shots are blocked before they even get to Corey Crawford, you talk about an onslaught. And I guess you know when the Hawks were. God bless the Edmonton Oilers for trying to get the Koskinen off the the ice to get the extra man, and they have too many men on. It's a little anxious coming over the boards. So they wipe out the chance for the advantage with the empty net. But when you're playing that four corners, like the Princeton uh, basketball team. <laughs> you like that, huh? Well, yeah, I, I, I like the reference. I don't know that I like the strategy <laughs> because, it, you know, go ahead and try to put the, the puck in the net and really make it a no-brainer, but... It, it, it seemed like the the puck was all the way down in the uh, in the Hawks zone the rest of the uh, the rest of the time. Well, I think you make a great point about Corey Crawford. It was finally a goalie win. We finally in in four games saw a netminder uh, steal the show. And I think it's important to remember, Brian, that it was two weeks ago today, two weeks ago today, July twenty fifth, that Corey showed up to training camp. <laughs> so I think it's. It's safe to say that he was getting the rust off over those first few games. He that that might just be the catalyst to put him in this round of of sixteen, and they'll take on the winner uh, of Colorado and Vegas. We'll play at two o'clock today, and 
I I think this bodes well for for Crawford and the Hawks as far as where he's trending. I think these last two weeks have just been tr- get trying to get Corey up to speed. And last night we saw flashes of of what we saw in route to two Stanley Cups when he was in the crease. I, I think, and he's going to have to be better because whether it's Vegas or Colorado. They're a much, those are two deeper teams than Edmonton. Edmonton was a two-man show. McDavid, Dreisaitl, as advertised, those two were on the ice for every goal but one from the Oilers in that four-game series. Yeah, no doubt about it, Pat. And when you look at you know, Crawford, Corey, yeah, a couple weeks ago, everyone's talking about how he flips the switch, just shows up, doesn't have the camp, doesn't have the, the couple weeks before the other guys were getting in shape. And, you know, it almost sounds like lip service, but you hear Brandon Saad last night talk about how he has a calming presence about him. He just doesn't get overly excited. I mean, I, I covered guys like Eddie Belfour, and, you know, he was always tuned up to 11 on a scale of 10. You, you know, guys who break the, the stick across the crossbar after letting up goal. That's not Corey Crawford. He's He really is just an even-keel guy. Now, maybe it's the cliche, he's like the duck, you know, Calm on the surface, but the legs are going a thousand miles a minute underneath the water. But I mean, with that onslaught, he just kept he kept his wits about him and he kept his eyes in front of him and, and was able to stop pretty much everything coming his way. Do you believe this is just the start that the Hawks can make a deep run? Give us a call three one two three three two three seven seven six, or are you somewhat conflicted? Your your heart is thrilled that they're moving on, that they're in the field of sixteen, the Stanley Cup playoffs. But your head says, ah, that 12.5% chance of getting the number one overall pick, that would be nice as well. That is our, our poll question. After the Hawks advanced last night to the Stanley Cup playoffs, how does that make you feel? Excited, shocked, conflicted, or relief? Go to at ESPN Hockey Show on Twitter and vote on that. How does it make you feel, Brian? I voted conflicted okay. because... You know, watching that with a more critical eye, um, there, there are a lot of things to like about the Hawks, especially the players, some of the younger guys. Ryan Carpenter, terrific. Uh, Hightower coming up big. Uh, Highmore, rather, coming up big. Uh, you know, the power play was still, I mean, it doesn't even look like a power play a lot of times. Um, the the Debrinket penalty, the five-minute major, I mean, should, probably should have cost them the game. But Edmonton's there to, to pick up a two-minute minor and wipe out the balance. They, they could have scored three goals on that. On that play uh, where Drake Kajula drew that penalty, I think uh, he got away with a dive. I don't think that was a penalty. Did you did you get to see the replay on that? Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. So maybe the Hawks get, uh, you know. I mean, that was, that a, was a huge break because yeah. the best power play on the planet is on a five-minute major. And look, you can score as many times as yep. you can on that. So that was a crucial two minutes that was taken away from them when they went to four-on-four hockey. Yeah, So I mean, and then they did get some bounces in, but that's playoff hockey, so I'm not going to criticize that. Uh, I don't know what Dave Tippett was doing from, from, you know, last week I said I thought he'd go with Mike Smith just because every NHL coach I ever covered goes to the, the safe thing, goes with the veteran, even though... It's probably not the wisest choice. It's always the choice they make, and that probably cost them game one a little bit. Not that the the team was that much better in front of Smith, but there are a lot of things. Uh, you know, breaking up uh, Drysital and McDavid, and and you know maybe he should have kept them united more and just try to get 
the superstar line going and, and, and maybe trying to you know out, outscore the the Hawks with that one line. But he said last night after the game they found more ways to lose the series than to win the series, and I have to agree with him because you know the Hawks won, and I'll take it and move on. But I'm conflicted because it's great the young guys got experience. It's great that Corey uh, Crawford's standing on his head and looks terrific and looks like he's back in playoff form. But they still need better special teams. I mean, even the penalty kill, they score that goal last night two seconds after uh, the uh, the advantage. So in in all uh, respects, it is a power play goal. But, you know, there, there's a lot to like, and there's a lot to still be wondering, you know, how good is this Hawks team moving forward? So you're conflicted. I, uh, I, I can see where you're coming to a degree, but look, I'm going to enjoy this ride. This has been, we've all been going through months of quarantine and COVID-19 talk and sports isn't going to come back and will it come back and how's it going to come back? And now that it's here, I'm going to ride this thing out. I I really am. This team has been in transition for a few years. Uh, We talk about veteran leadership. There's only five guys on that team that have won a cup. There's only five of them. The rest of the team, they're newbies. This is new to them. We need to find out if if they're part of the blueprint of the future. And, and we're going to find that out in this next series. Um, we'll, we'll find out whether or not Alex Dabrinkit will be part of it in game one. He, he takes that boarding yeah. call yesterday. I, I, I don't think you'll see uh, him receive you know, a game suspension because Bear returned to the game. I think that was a huge part of the equation. Uh, but... Look, it, it, this is uh, the fact that Corey Crawford looked like the Corey Crawford of old last night. I think that really bodes well for them to have at least a chance in this upcoming series. And was it bode for well for uh, Corey's uh, future here next season with the Blackhawks? You know that that's still on the table, and he's their best goalie by far. And and you know you talk about veteran leadership. Jonathan Taves, first of all, as guys came off the ice after winning the, the game in the series, he looked so pumped. He looked like it was back in 2015 in the cup run. And that that move on Bear, that you know, he corrals, first Bear's off balance behind the net, and in one move he gives him a little assist to get down on the ice, and he controls the puck to Kubalik, who bang, as he said, didn't even look at the net, just finally you know, shot of his too many guys weren't looking at the net, but that was bang, bang play. That veteran move by Jonathan Taves to, to school Ethan Bear, you know, giving him the physical, get out of the way, and, and controlling the puck at the same time, setting up Kubalik for the winner was unbelievable. Fantastic game for Taves. Two assists, sets up the game winner off the stick of Kubalik. That's seven points. Four goals and three helpers for Taves in the four-game series. Uh, let's get uh, Tom's thoughts. Uh, he joins us now from Worth. Tom, welcome to the Hockey Show. Good morning. Morning, Patty Boyle. Brian Hanley, you're out of your mind, man. What's up with all the pessimism, man? You're killing me. The, the Hawks the Hawks just beat one of the better teams in the NHL, best power play in the NHL. Yeah, they got the two-minute. Uh, they, they canceled out the two minutes because of the iffy penalty call, but they still killed three minutes of it. They, they held them to no goals, best power play of the series. Hopefully that extends into the next round. Because if play Colorado or uh, Vegas, they both have, I'm sure, good power plays. They got power up and down their lineup. But I, I, the pessimism is killing me, man. It's not yeah, pessimism. have a little optimism. All right, Tom, Look, thanks I, for the call. There's, like I said, there's a lot to like and a lot to love. 
I still don't know how they won the series, but you know, you can go through the NHL history and, and Blackhawk history and find a lot of series. You don't know how they won the series. You know, here's hoping they, and you know, as they move on, all these little warts get better. And, you know, the power play is still a huge issue and it's going to have to win you a series at some point. Um, but, if you need Corey Crawford to do that pretty much every night, I, I'm not so sure you would want to bet on that. It, it's terrific. He's he's up to the task. But, you know, Pat, as you said, that isn't the best five-on-five -five team in hockey by any stretch. They have two superstars, and as those stars go, the Oilers go. So you, as you get to deeper teams, and Vegas and Colorado are, are both that, we'll see how the Hawks hold up. But I'm all I'm excited they're moving on. I'm just trying to figure out how they moved on. Tommy wants you to uh, to get your Chelios sweater out of the closet or your <laughs> or, or your uh, Makita, uh, pour yourself a tall beverage, get that Chelsea dagger going in the background, and well, just Stan, Stan and I uh, shared a birthday, and uh, Chelly I think played until he was my age, so we have that. You got that in common. in common. Yeah. All right, coming up, uh, more in your thoughts of the Blackhawks moving on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They'll play either Colorado or Vegas. That'll be decided later today. Give us a call, 312-332-3776. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to the Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. I think certainly this game in particular was one where yeah. You feel good that you have those guys in the room who who know what it's like to close out a team. Jeremy Colleton after the Blackhawks knock off the Edmonton Oilers 3-2. They take the best of five series in four games. Talking about his leaders. How about this? In series clinching games, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have both played in 22 series-clinching games. Kane has 29 points in those 22 games. The captain has 29 points in those games. And the Blackhawks, oh, by the way, are 17-5 in those games. They are the cornerstones of this franchise. They are Hall of Famers. They are three-time Stanley Cup winners, and they're a big reason why. The Blackhawks are moving on to face the winner of Colorado and Vegas. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle. We're back on the Hockey Show. We're asking you, how are you feeling today? The Blackhawks making the most of the opportunity that was presented to them. Do you believe this is just the start, that the Hawks can make a deep run? Let's go to the phone lines and let's bring in uh, Todd. Todd joins us now from Northbrook. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Dream. Living the dream. Listen, gents, I... I, I... Not really that conflicted. Yeah, we get we could get the the number one pick, but we could end up with the Mitch Trubisky of the NHL. And so, <laughs> I, I would rather I would rather much rather be drinking my coffee this morning, listening to you all talk about the Hawks and doing that next weekend, as opposed to sitting here talking about well, what do, what's our chances of, of getting that draft pick? You know, I, I think how do you get Kane and Taves to to take a you know to pick a dive, if you will, to to drop a Kajula in the in the uh, along the boards, but I can't see them, you know, taking it easy so that they can, you know, get that chance on a, on a number one pick. I get, you know, I just don't see it. Well, thanks, thanks Tom, for the guys. call. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll find out Monday who is going to get that number one overall pick as the eight teams that lose and that lost in the qualifying round will be up for that. So the Hawks are not in that mix. They will not Pittsburgh have it. Is. Pittsburgh's in that mix. And, uh, 
We saw the Oilers are in that mix. The Predators are in that mix. Yeah. The Panthers and the Wild. So we'll see what happens. But two 12 seeds moved on yesterday. The Canadians and the Blackhawks, those two original six teams that the NHL wanted to make sure they got in. Well, they made the most of their opportunity, Brian. No doubt. And, and you know, it's, it's a point well taken because just because you get, you know, I remember the Bulls had, what, less than a 2% chance to get Derrick Rose in that draft. Yeah, 1.7. They divide defied the odds and that certainly was a mixed blessing for the Bulls franchise and for Derek given his health issues and everything else so there are no guarantees in the draft and and, you know our call is right I mean Kane and Taves deserve at least another shot another run at this thing and from the indication of the of this first series you know that they're taking this to heart I mean they're not going through the motions they're 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 leading this pack and and setting the correct tone for everybody. Brian, they're not used to losing, okay? No. They, they have not won a playoff series since 2015. They get ousted in 2016 by the St. Louis Blues. They got swept in 2017, and then they didn't make it in 18 or 19, and they were on their way to a third straight year before the pandemic hit. So I think Kane and Taves and the guys that have won before reported to this training camp 2.0 with a chip on their shoulder like they they were not going to be embarrassed on this stage and that's the way they played here's the captain Jonathan Taves last night after the 3-2 victory on how everybody improved as this series went on across our lineup guys stepped up their game um you know got a lot of young guys who maybe don't have a ton of playoff experience um showing what they can do and I think that gets you going and motivates you more than anything so um just trying to do my part and and uh, go out there and, and do what I can and, and, you know, follow suit with the rest of our team. So it was, it was fun to see. I mean, we knew what we wanted to do um, coming into the series. Uh, tonight, I think it was our, our first time where we had an actual answer to their power play. Great goaltending, obviously. Um, but overall, guys got better as, as the series went along. And, you know, for myself, uh, it was nice to, to get on the score sheet and make a difference that way. But uh, um, hopefully keep getting better every game as we go along. Taves was consistent throughout the four-game series. Uh, so was, I think, Saad. Kubalik had that five-point performance in game one, and then, well, he resurfaced He resurfaced yeah, at the right night. time last yeah. night. You know, here's the thing, Pat, because, you know, it was interesting to hear some of the Oilers after the game last night talk about how frustrated they were. And, we, you know, I, I, sometimes Hawks fans get frustrated that the, the team's not big enough, quote-unquote, but to hear the Oilers say, you know, we want to play a physical game, and obviously they have that heavyweight jumbo line with Neil, and and everyone was making a lot about that going into the series. And he said they want to play a skill game. And it was almost like they got frustrated that the Hawks were not going to engage and not be overly physical. And some of the penalties, obviously, the, the Hawks took the Debrinket penalty was just, you know, ill-advised if you want to be nice about it. Those weren't getting, uh, you know, caught up in, in, you know, fisticuffs or getting a little extra. That was just, you know, a, a, a poor choice. But it, the Oilers were uh, frustrated that the Hawks were the better skill team. And, and when you see them take advantage of that turnover at the blue line and sod with the wraparound and knowing exactly what he wanted to do with it and and, uh, and scoring on that, that, that to me, you know, sometimes the skill game is going to frustrate the physical team. So how do you feel about it after the Hawks advance to the Stanley Cup playoffs? How does it make you feel? Excited, shocked, conflicted, or relieved? Go to 
ESPN Hockey Show on Twitter. Vote away there. We can check in on uh, some of the results uh, thus far. Um, and you would go conflicted, right, Brian? That's where you are right now. I did vote uh, absentee on um, yeah, yeah, mail in ballot. I went. Uh, I went excited. I'm gonna. I'm gonna meatball this thing up. I'm gonna ride the wave. <laughs> oh, you'd be in the majority. I think it is right now around 74% yeah. are uh, are excited. Give us a call 312-332-3776. We heard the captain say that players got better as this series went on. That certainly was the case for Corey Crawford. He stopped the last 34 shots over the final 38 minutes last night. And a lot of those bad boys were high Ooh. danger chances. There were there were 15 high danger chances from the Oilers. There were 31 scoring chances. He made 20 saves alone in the third period. Here's Corey Crawford after the game. Uh, he was asked, "Do you feel like you're back?" I think there's still some some work to do. Um, you know, I thought our guys, uh, our D men, our forwards too. Um, you know, everyone was helping out in our zone. Um, seemed like there was a lot of pucks uh, laying around in front of the net in the third period when they were pressing. And, um, you know, our guys did a great job of, of getting sticks and letting me cover it or clear it. So, um, I mean, it, it's a total team effort. Um, but uh, we, we obviously, uh, we, we want to get better. The defense has gotten better, Brian. I mean, it, it's been the Achilles heel of this team the last couple of years. And it's got off to an ominous start at the beginning of this regular season way back in October. They made an adjustment in November. And this current sixum of Keith, Boquist, DeHaan and Murphy, Mata and Cuckoo, they're not coughing it up as much as they were. They're a little cleaner in their own end. And they're bringing some offense every once in a while. I mean, Slater, Cuckoo, and Olimata. Olimata's won a couple of cups with uh, with Pittsburgh. He is, uh, you know, they were getting shots through. And that's something we had a stat on the pregame show yesterday, how shots from the point are getting through more in this series, almost 9% more than they did during the regular season. And then, oh, by the way, we're seeing the Blackhawks do a better job of redirecting pucks, like Matthew Highmore has had two goals in this series. He had two the entire regular season, both of those great redirections. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the experience is going to be great for these guys moving forward. And, you know, DeHaan, it's interesting, when he had the shoulder surgery and he came back, he just seemed to pop up in the right place at the right time throughout that series, right? I mm -hmm. mean, nothing flashy, but he made some big hits. He made some big blocks. He did a lot of the dirty work, and it, it paid off for the Hawks. Let's go to Jason on the north side. He joins us now on the Hockey Show. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Brian. I'll say this real quick. If I have to, I'll go pull out the infamous 1990s barber pole jersey to make this keep forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was before I got into hockey. Um, but I like the team effort. I like the way they played. I like the determination because they, they kept McDavid and Dreisaitl and even Nurse and, the, you know, you had a few guys that were showing up from Edmonton. They they played really well. They kept them out of the zone. They they did really good on forechecking and backchecking. So I'm excited. All right, Jason, we're with you as well. Thanks for calling into the uh, the yeah. hockey show. We appreciate it. Let's go quickly. Let's get Steve in. Steve joins us now. Uh, he's in Crest Hill. He's up next on the hockey show. Good morning, Steve. 
Good morning, guys. I really love the show. A uh, uh, show dedicated to hockey is just awesome. I am conflicted along with uh, Brian. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a season ticket holder, uh, two different sets of seats for years now, and no bigger Hawk fan than me. But I think that uh, having a shot at the number one overall pick, a young, talented player, could pay dividends for years. As I'm not comparing this guy to Patrick Kane, but we see what a, a, a player like that can do to an organization. And let's be honest, and I don't want to burst Nolan's bubble, but if they win more than two games over either one of these opponents, I will be shocked. But uh, uh, that's just my opinion, and when that puck drops, I'm going to be all in since we, since we have moved on, but that's my opinion. I think the, the shot at the number one would have been the way to go. All right, Steve, thanks for the phone call. Uh, look, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, he, he could be as advertised. He could be the next Sidney Crosby or, mm-hmm. I mean, look, Jack Hughes was the consensus number one pick last year. He didn't exactly take the NHL by storm this past year. In fact, I think a lot of people might say Kirby Doc had a much better rookie year than Jack Hughes. And continues to. Uh, oh, he, you know, we have not talked about him. And, and coming up, we'll, uh, we've got Jamal Mayers joining us on the other side. 2013 Stanley Cup champion. He joins me with Steve Conroyd on a Blackhawks pre- and post-game on NBC Sports Chicago. We'll get his thoughts on the transformation of Kirby Doc, the Blackhawks' chances in the upcoming round. Who would Jammer rather see the Blackhawks play, the Avalanche or the Golden Knights. It's all coming up next on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN 1000, The Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. It is The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. Blackhawks moving on. They took care of the Edmonton Oilers last night. Game four, 3-2 was the final. Dominic Kubalik, your game winner. Right now on our Twitter page on ESPN Hockey Show, the poll question is, so they survive in advance. How does it make you feel? Excited, shocked, conflicted, or relief? Right now, leader in the clubhouse, overwhelming. 73% are saying excited. Uh, thanks, for voting on that today. Joining us now, you can see him on NBC Sports Chicago pre and post game coverage. She's a 2013 Stanley Cup champion. Never have to pay for a beverage in this town for the rest <laughs> of his life. Jamal Mayers joins us on the hockey show. Good morning, Jammer. How are we doing? We're doing all right. Uh, let, let's start with your biggest takeaway from the series with the Hawks advancing past the Oilers. What was your biggest takeaway? That some of their younger players are ready to take that next step, and the guys on the team are a real team right now. For me, their ability to get contributions up and down their lineup, that's been the biggest issue going forward, and it had to have been intimidating for guys like the Brinkett and younger players to step into that dressing room with all the accolades that the core had accomplished. But this younger group is finally taking a stranglehold, and they look more like a team. So that's my biggest takeaway is somehow they've been able to empower those younger players to assume more responsibility and feel a part of it going forward. 
Jamal, when you hear uh, Jeremy Colleton said, uh, you know, say that uh, guys really bought in December, that's when he and his staff really start to see a change. Um, how does that change manifest itself? When did you start seeing this team come together, uh, even before the break, perhaps? Uh, I didn't see it before the break. Um, they were, quite frankly, porous defensively. They weren't, uh, they didn't move as a five man group. They didn't, there was a lot of hesitation in the defensive zone. Um, they appear to have, since the break, they've eliminated that. I'm not sure if that's the fact that they knew of their opponent for two months, the fact that the coaching staff did a great job and had a lot of practice time, which they normally don't get. Uh, I know it doesn't sound like a lot of time, but two weeks of practice is, is quite a bit of time to implement and narrow in and focus on the, your systems. And at the end of the day, getting the buy-in from the leadership core was imperative, and Jeremy was able to do that. And at the end of the day, it's, it's the players that police the room. So give Jeremy Colton and his staff credit for creating a system that the players could buy into and give the leadership credit as well for you know, setting the example for the rest of the group. Jamal Mayers joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Got to have good goaltending in the playoffs. Last night was a goalie win. Corey stopping 43 of 45 Edmonton shots. And I think it's important to point out it was two weeks ago today, Jammer, that he reported to training camp. So he had to get a lot of rust off in a little bit of time. And maybe we'll see last night's performance uh, on a more consistent basis in this upcoming round against either Colorado or Vegas. Is it about time that he gets start getting some respect from around the league? I, I'm tired of this. For the last 10 years, people questioning, oh, should we get rid of Corey Crawford? Should, it, it, we really don't need Corey Crawford. Is he really a top-five goalie in the league? I'll tell you what. Everyone loves Henrik Lundqvist. What has he done? Has he won anything? Except we keep talking about him, and Corey Crawford gets no respect. So, um, to me, the biggest honor you could give a goalie is, is he a winner? Does he show up and make the saves and understand regardless of the score, forget about his numbers, does he make the saves to find a way to get his team a victory? And that's what Corey does. That's his best attribute. Forget the goals, forget the the bad games, his ability to find a way to make a save to win the hockey game uh, is what separates him from a lot of goalies. And we were talking about this earlier, Jamal. You know, his personality, when you hear his teammates talk about this calming presence, uh, a lot of the great goaltenders have that. And, you know, not, look, every goaltender, you know, goes and gets a swig of water or Gatorade after a goal. But he doesn't seem to get frustrated, overly frustrated on a bad goal and just keeps his wits about him. And that really does seem to help a young team in particular. It does. I think that uh, you, you feed off of his energy. If, can you imagine if you were a young defenseman like Boquist who missed your check and allowed a goal to go in in the back door, and then your goalie, who's won two Stanley Cups, is a however many year veteran, throws his hands in the air or gives you a, the, the stink eye? Yeah. He'll probably crush yeah. the poor kid. Yeah, he doesn't do that. You know, he, he, he's, he's a consummate professional, he's a fantastic teammate. Uh, he's fun to be around, but when it's game time, when it's showtime, that's who you want in your net. Let's talk about the, the maturation of Kirby Doc. Uh, at 19 years of age, he had four assists in this series. He was 
on a line with Kane and DeBrinket the last couple of games. I think the Hawks have found their second line center of the future. Yes, he's got to improve at the faceoff circle, but the weight he put on, the uh, the jump in his step, his shot improved, and just his overall confidence on the ice. What what have you seen pre-pause from Kirby Doc and over the last couple of weeks? Well, it's funny, TV. You might make fun of me, but I even tell my little guy crew who's seven, like you're you're not going to know what kind of player you are until you're 25. <laughs> and so until then, you're going to continue to improve and get better and find ways to figure out who you are as a hockey player. And to think that Kirby Doc has done and made such great strides in such a short period of time, his ability to hold on to that puck and use his strength and understand that he's stronger and bigger than a lot of these players. He's also gotten quicker. And then you add in the confidence that he must have gotten, and I think Enzo pointed to this, of, of being on that number one power play and his whole life he's been an offensive guy so the, he put in that position is familiar to him so now he wants the puck more he's demanding the puck and I think the sky's the limit for this uh, this young player and he's showing giving us a glimpse of who he's going to be as a player I think a lot of his offense is going to be created below the goal line his ability to I kind of for him I'd like to have him watch Ryan Getzlaff who has a similar size, similar skill set. I would say Kirby's a better skater. But his ability to attack the front of the net, to attack the half wall coming out of the corner, uh, Kirby has taken huge strides. It's exciting to watch. Like that play last night where Kane sets him up uh, on the back door. Uh, he's going to get better in those situations. He can, make a, he can make a hell of a living with his size around the net. Exactly. It. That's what I like to say. That's where he's going to make his bacon, and uh, he's going to be tough, tough to stop. And I'm excited for him. And uh, you know, I love the fact. And PB, you brought this up on our podcast. The fact that he was able to seek out. Uh, you, when a young player is is hungry and thirsty for information to get better, the older players are excited to give it to. Him. But they're not going to go out of their way to go help a younger player. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when Kirby, when you see Kirby on the bench talking to Kaner, when you hear about when you told the story how he asked about where Kaner trained and, and sought out to, to ask if he could use that information, that's a player who wants to get better. That's a player that wants to be great. And guys recognize that. And they're going to be supportive throughout that process and understanding that his development is not going to be linear. There are going to be blips. There are going to be plateaus. But the, when you have the buy-in from your from your veteran guys to help push you through that, he's gonna his trajectory is gonna skyrocket because of it. So we're getting a glimpse of what he's gonna become. I can't wait to see him in two years. Just to clarify that, Kirby Doc, right as the pause happened, asked Patrick Kane who he trains with here in Chicago. And over the last few years, Kane has been using Ian Mack. And it has helped Patrick's game tremendously. And Emily Kaplan on ESPN.com had the story of how Doc trained here in Chicago for a week after the pause happened and then trained virtually with Ian Mack over the rest of quarantine and the rest of the pause. And I think maybe we're seeing some of the effects of that work uh, on the ice. Jamal, you mentioned the advantage of knowing who your opponent is a couple months out. Now you you know you know one of two a couple days out. 
what what does get better and how quickly does it need to get better to get through the next round? Well, we got to become we got to be more disciplined regardless of what power play you're facing. Uh, the uh, stick infractions have to be eliminated in my opinion, particularly when you're not defending your goal. Those types of things become even more heightened. Um, I believe in, in the playoffs. So that's the most important thing for me is be, become more disciplined. I, I love the way the D are, become, are active. Uh, they're playing on their toes. Everyone can skate. So it allows you to be a lot more aggressive because they have that trust. And oftentimes throughout the, these four games, you could see five Blackhawks on the screen at one time. That means there's a lot of tight, close support and quite frankly, trust in your in your system, your line mate, your partner, your D partner. You can see that trust, and that's where it manifests itself is how you defend. Who would you rather see the Hawks face, Colorado or Vegas? I would say Vegas. I, I think that uh, Colorado is a team that many prognosticators have uh, believe that they're going to end up in the Stanley Cup final. They're a team that's uh, extremely fast, extremely deep offensively down the middle. Uh, their addition of Kadri really will cause any team fits. If that's your a guy who scored multiple times, goals is on your third line, uh, that's a tough matchup. And they've got a lot of guys who can really burn up front. So I would prefer uh, Vegas. They're a little bit older in the tooth. they got some uncertainty what they're going to do in goal. Uh, they've got some question marks adding a different coach. So they're they're a team I, I would favor meeting, although they are bigger, and, but maybe not as, as fast as the Blackhawks. Jammer, thanks as always for joining us. Great stuff. Safe travels, and we'll see you later on this week as we uh, have pre and post game around the Blackhawks opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs against either the Avalanche or the Golden Knights. Thanks, Jammer. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jamal. That's Jamal Mayers joining us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. I spoke with Danny Wirtz earlier in the week and asked him if Stan Bowman or Jeremy Colleton will be back next year. You'll hear his response next on the Hockey Show. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. And by the way, the hockey show is presented by Coors Light. Be prepared for the playoffs by making a beer run from your couch. Find out how to get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Earlier this week, I uh, spoke with interim president Danny Wirtz on the Blackhawks Talk podcast along with Charlie Romelli Otis. And we asked him the question, do you anticipate Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton will be back with the team next season? Here's what Danny Wartz had to say. First off, as it relates to coaching, that's that's going to be Stan's call. And uh, that is important that, you know, as uh, the leader of the, of the hockey operations, that he is really uh, making those calls. And I think he has a lot of confidence in, in, uh, in Jeremy right now. And, and we're really starting to see how, um, you know, his approach is, is, is you, know, you have to give these things time. You have to let 
um, uh, folks like that, you know, uh, implement their system and see that can that buy-in build uh, as it goes on. And I think you've seen a system that, when when played properly, like on Saturday, clearly has some great results and, and gets the most out of our team. So, um, you know, that's obviously Stan's decision. Um, you know, we believe in Stan and and are committed to him. Uh, he has a multi-year contract, and we're gonna we're gonna obviously uh, support that. So. Uh, we feel really good about that, you know, heading into next season. So, Brian, it certainly sounds like Stan Bowman is going to stay with the team. Uh, they're committed to him, and it'll be his call on Jeremy. And with advancing past Edmonton, we'll see how things go in the next round. But I think that's a done deal, yeah, too, don't you? Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. It certainly <laughs> sounds I'll, like it. I'll throw this in. Uh, I think we can take the interim off of Danny's title. He's really enjoying this. I mean, the guy's enthusiasm is palpable, and I I don't see him giving this thing up anytime soon. And it seems like, you know, that they're all in concert together. They're all on the same page, and we'll see how that plays out moving forward. But I really think uh, he is going to be the uh, head of the organiz- organization for the next couple of years to come, certainly. Well, speaking of that topic, we uh, we also asked Danny Wirtz if he was interested in making his role permanent with the team and how might that affect his duties with Breakthrough Beverage. Here's what Danny had to say. I, I may have been informally involved with the Blackhawks now, obviously right now, very involved and hands-on, and I intend to stay very engaged with the organization. So whatever that looks like formally, we'll figure out. Uh, I'm used to wearing a lot of hats. My dad is a perfect example of, in his tenure, you know, uh, he's worn a lot of hats, sat on different boards, run different parts of our family business. We're kind of used to juggling a lot of things. So um, that's probably never going to change. Um, I, I thrive on that, actually. And I think it has a lot of value in sort of continuing to stay engaged across industries and learning different business practices. Um, it's been a, a huge advantage for me. And I think it's been a great thing for our family to sort of have that perspective outside of hockey and uh, in our beverage business outside of beverage. And we try to we try to bring some of those practices across industries that I think have been, have been helpful and will only continue. So Danny Wirtz certainly sounds like he's going to uh, remain on in some role, whether that's president, COO, or just an active owner. He is going to uh, stay connected with this team going forward. And uh, both businesses are going to be doing well this week. The Blackhawks are moving on, and uh, I'm sure a few Wirtz beverages will be consumed along the way. <laughs> that's only, you know, that's a huge difference. That you can't have you know, you know, 20 buddies over to watch the game or go to the local watering hole to watch the game. You're doing it with family, and uh, you know it. You know it's fun, but there is a different aspect uh, to the uh, the normal buzz that comes with playoff hockey, where you got everyone you can think of uh, gathered in one spot, having a little bit of a party as you watch the game. Our thanks to a producer, Eric Ostrowski. Thanks to Jamal Mayers for joining us. Thank you for uh, calling us and giving us your thoughts on the Blackhawks moving on. That is going to do it for this week's edition of the Hockey Show. Brian is up next with Fred Huebner. More conversation about the Blackhawks and Baseball City USA. It's all coming up next on ESPN 1000.